The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Scumbags! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Marinci. Rage all you want. Level 3. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Oberenzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. We're kicking it. It's the Monday Night Meltdown. Rick Saratella will step up and in in a couple of minutes. We'll talk more NFL football. Thanks to George Kurtz and Mo Khan uh, for breaking it down with us uh, so far this evening on the Monday Night uh, Meltdown. NFL preseason returns on Thursday. We started off uh, with a win with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Philadelphia Eagles, and Jalen Hurts has to impress um, in Philadelphia uh, right now. We'll get into the numbers as far as I got to dig in uh, here. We've got to uh, speak to our research team, i.e., I have to do this in the middle of the night and uh, and figure out <laughs> uh, Hall of Fame games and how did teams do after they play in the Hall of Fame game. And I'm telling you, since I am a degenerate and I've been betting and I love betting on the preseason, they're fades, all right? As I stated, like the, the, the dress rehearsal game is week three. So the dress rehearsal game is week three. And um, they played already one game. Then they have another game. And they know they have to play the starters in week three. They're not going to play the starters in, in week four of the preseason, you know? So it sort of gets convoluted for the teams that play in the Hall of Fame game. Right, so the Pittsburgh Steelers are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are one-point favorites. The Washington football team are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Right now, I'll tell you, and these aren't official picks yet. We haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet. Um, That's not true, actually. We haven't put a couple of plays in. Uh, But I'm not telling you to take anything yet. But as it is now, I'm liking New England plus the two-and-a-half against Washington. Uh, I'm leaning with Philadelphia against Pittsburgh. We have Tennessee and Atlanta. I'm not sure about um, that one. You know, that's on Friday. We have time to kick the tires on that. You know, there's a new coach in Atlanta, new culture and stuff. So when you have a new coach in the preseason in their first game, oftentimes they're jacked up. Even though it's a preseason game, they want to get that first win out of the way. Right? Congratulations, coach. You won. Their buddies call. Their former other coaching buddies. Their family. Oh, you won your first game. And then, you know, you get it out of the way, and it obviously is the first regular season win. But new coaches don't want to go 0-4 in the preseason. 
right? So that's something to keep your eye on. And Philadelphia have a new coach. They have a young quarterback that's got something to prove. Uh, Pittsburgh just played last weekend. Let's, let's be real. It's not like Pittsburgh looked great, all right? It's not like Pittsburgh looked great against the Dallas Cowboys. It was just the Cowboys were terrible. So uh, as it is now, leaning with New England, leaning with uh, Philadelphia, uh, Buffalo and Detroit. And this is one of these deals where it's almost like reverse psychology in the sense that you almost want to take the worst team in the preseason in a sense, right? Like the Detroit Lions have a new coach. Everyone thinks they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. So they're, you know, they're, they're having a good camp. They're going to say, everyone says we suck, which they will. The late night anger management class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Arantzi. Shout out to our AM radio affiliates. Rick Saratella will join us in a couple of moments. NFL Draft Bible. We'll get biblical. Um, SI.com. Rick Saratella. We'll talk NFL football. Uh, with Rick, little CFL football. Uh, we talk with Mo Khan just briefly about uh, the Montreal Wets and their camp. But we'll talk some quarterbacks uh, with uh, with Rick Saratella. We'll get into the NFL. We've talked a lot of NFL futures uh, tonight. We did on the TV show uh, this evening as well. We'll continue that theme from here on out. Football is here, and we're just taking a look at the preseason numbers for for Thursday night's game. So we've got two games on Thursday: the Washington football team. Are you guys ever going to have a damn name? The Edmonton Eskimos became the Edmonton Elks in a matter of months. All right? It's not that hard to figure out. Um, the Washington football, at this point, just remain the Washington football team. Uh, I, you know what? And people even want them to now because they don't want a new stupid name. So um, they're minus two and a half. The New England Patriots are plus two and a half. Belichick's got a chip on his shoulder. There's a lot of talent now. There's new players that need to play. I'm, you know, I'm leaning with the Patriots there. We're leaning with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are getting a point against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday. Friday, Tennessee and Atlanta, nothing really stands out to me yet. We'll kick the tires on this game. The Buffalo Bills and the Detroit Lions. Listen, the Detroit Lions, they don't have a lot of talent. They're having a good camp. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Lions look good for the first couple of drives or something, right, of this game. But... The Detroit Lions don't have any depth, all right? They don't have any depth. Like, they've got a couple of good players, and they got a bunch of scrubs, and the Buffalo Bills are deep, all right? The Bills, like, backups are good. The Bills' backups to the backups are good. The Bills are, like, a very good draft team. That's something, like, that you need to handicap as well. People, oh, who's the quarterbacks? Just don't worry about the quarterbacks. Like, you know, I mean, it's not just the quarterbacks, but... Like, like, why are the Baltimore Ravens such a good preseason team? Because they're a good drafting team, and everyone they draft is good. So even their fifth and sixth and seventh round picks are actually good, and they're competing, and they're better than your fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh round draft picks. You know what I'm saying? Like, just who's deeper? You got Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is the Bills' backup. Tim Doyle is the Lions. Who? What? Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. The Late Night Anger Management Class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Marinci. Let's do this thing. There's no more countdown. Football is here. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible, steps up and in. Rick, it's always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? Man, I had to bust loose, get through, rip my birthday suit on. It's football extravaganza, bananas, sports rage, steel cage. It's all good. Yeah, I've been thinking about uh, football pretty much 24-7 um, for the last uh, couple of days. So the NFL preseason kicked off, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. We cashed the ticket uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the CFL uh, kicked off four regular season games. And I thought of you uh, because I know you've uh, interviewed uh, Michael uh, Bethel Thompson uh, before. Your boy Bethel Thompson lit it up. He absolutely lit it up uh, in week one. Big, uh, big win uh, for the boatman, the Toronto Argonauts. So Bethel Thompson, 26 of 37, 354 yards. Nick Arbuckle was injured. So Bethel Thompson got the start. And uh, he absolutely killed it. Two touchdown passes, 354 yards. He's got a strong arm, Bethel Thompson. He does. He's got a cannon for an arm, this dude. I can't call him a kid, Rick. He's 33. So I was going to say, he's got a cannon, this kid. Nah, he's he's not a kid, but he's got a cannon. (laughs) Here's a guy who's been playing professional football for over a decade. And he came out to the Hub football camp. I asked him point blank when he came on my show in the cloud. You clearly can play in the NFL. Why did you choose the CFL? And it was just the opportunity to go and compete. And with all due respect to Nick Arbuckle, McLeod Bethel Thompson is not looking back in his rearview mirror. I don't believe he's going to give up this starting gig. In fact, I believe the Toronto Argonauts are going to shock quite a few people. I called it McLeod Bethel Thompson's going to win the MVP. And this is a guy that's enjoying a Rich Gannon-esque ascension in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, it's funny because Dinwiddie actually said that um... – uh, that he took the next step in his career. So we'll see. It's it's a week-by-week league, uh, the CFL. But I figured I'd keep, I'd keep you up to date with your boy. Um, I, I'd keep you up to date uh, with your boy. The quality of play was really good, actually. Um, the, the quality of play in week one uh, was very, very good in the CFL. So from what I understand, let's get into the NFL right now. Um, before we actually, before we get into the camps, um, I didn't get a chance to see much of the Hall of Fame stuff this weekend. I was too busy watching Toronto Argonaut Calgary Stampeder games <laughs> and uh, and the Olympics. And I had a lot of money. Uh, it was a big, big weekend. So, you know, I, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson. Woodson got pretty emotional. What did you take away from the, uh, the Hall of Fame weekend? Yeah, luckily, my insomnia allowed me to watch the replay at night. And so I got to see a good portion of it. I thought that Peyton Manning, you know, may have possibly had the greatest Hall of Fame speech of all time had he been allowed to have the time. And so, you know, I did enjoy the shorter speeches. However, there's got to be some kind of, you know, leeway here when a guy like Peyton Manning wants to talk longer than six minutes. You got to be able to allow that. And so you saw Peyton was so rushed, like he 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 was talking so fast that he just talked right over like people wanted to applaud some of the things he said or he cracked a joke and the audience wanted to laugh. He didn't have time for it. He just kept it moving. And I just felt like it it came across rushed, but it also came across as if we were watching the next potential commissioner of the National Football League. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible with us. And yeah, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning really is one of the funnier 
funnier guys in sports, not just football, but in sports. And I'll tell you what, Eli's got a pretty good sense of humor, too. You just couldn't tell because the kid didn't talk much when he was in New York. Uh, but some of those Saturday Night Live um, skits, man, with Peyton Manning, that's some of the funniest stuff ever when he's, like, yelling at the kids. He's throwing <laughs> he's throwing footballs at the kids. Peyton Manning, yeah, really, really funny dude. You know he's going to kill it doing the, uh, the broadcasting uh, as well. All right, so speaking of killing it, I'm hoping to kill it with my NFL futures. I've started. I put a couple of bets in last night, actually, that we'll share uh, with everybody. We'll get Rick's take on. But um, let's start off. Um, let's start off in San Francisco uh, right now. Word is Trey Lance looks as good as he possibly can, and in fact, they're saying that he's the best rookie quarterback they've ever seen before. Right? That nobody's picked this up. Now, the last time I heard this was uh, about Deshaun Watson. And Bill O'Brien said, I've never seen a rookie be this good this fast before. And then he goes, but I'm going to I'm going to start Tom Savage. <laughs> That's why you're not there anymore, Bill. <laughs> but <laughs> Shanahan and they're, they're praising Trey Lance. But I guess uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy G's playing really well, uh, too. And Jimmy G's still, you know, still still ahead here. But, dude. You don't take a guy third overall not to play him, uh, Rick. So how do you think this is going to play out in San Francisco? Hey, we talking about practice? Okay, I just wanted to check when we're talking about practice. Okay, so Trey Lance looks great uh, on thin air against going, throwing against dead air and gym shorts and a t-shirt. I mean, come on, man. Like, give me a break. Did you watch the North Dakota State game this past year? How, how good did he look in that game? So uh, that was against the collegiate level of competition. By no means is Trey Lance ready to step in the saddle and start from week one. Now you did hear, you know, there was a, a big to do because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was benched at, at certain points of the training camp practices. And they asked head coach Kyle Shanahan about that. And he said, Hey, there are going to be situational packages where Trey Lance is inserted, uh, AKA uh, Taysom Hill effect. And so I do think Kyle Shanahan is going to get a little creative um, I believe Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback until he falters. However, you will see Trey Lance in situational packages. Does that begin week one? Possibly. I just don't see uh, Trey Lance starting under center week one. If you're the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers, you know what? The schedule actually isn't that killer to start off with. You're going to Detroit. And honestly, I think I could be the quarterback for San Francisco um, against the Detroit Lions. And they would win that game. Then they go to Philadelphia but, yes, you know, I don't think he's going to be the starter in week one. I do believe that he'll get on the field in week one, uh, Trey Lance. But I also legitimately believe you don't draft someone third overall not to play him. And I think they're they're going to eventually rip that Band-Aid off. And, you know, I think they can trade Jimmy G, bro. Like, if a bunch of quarterbacks get hurt and Trey Lance is looking really good, they can say, you know what, let's trade Jimmy G, go with Trey Lance, and gouge somebody for Jimmy G right now. If Jimmy G doesn't get hurt, right? That's been the big issue with him. And so I guess devil's advocate. Yeah. yeah. And, but, hey, I mean, they're paying Jimmy G $25 million a year, and he did take the team to the Super Bowl. And yeah. so I think he's going to get every opportunity to showcase. And part of the deal is Jimmy Garoppolo, well, why do you think, Gabe, he's playing his best football? Uh, maybe he's inspired. Maybe he's having or feeling the competition, which is – the number three overall pick uh, breathing down his neck. So, hey, I think it could be a good thing. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, due to the competition, has 
elevated his game. I believe he is, when healthy, a top 10 quarterback in this league. And let's be honest, he was a couple incomplete passes away from hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy. Rick Saratella with this. And, you know, you can't deny that. Um, he's won a lot of football games, Jimmy G, what he's on the field. Uh, but there seems to be a trust factor that they don't, they're not convinced he can stay on the field. And even though they went to the Super Bowl, I don't know, it's almost like McVay and Shanahan and these guys, they sort of think it's them, not the quarterback, right? They think the quarterbacks are sort of irreplaceable. That is their system. That is them. Well, they thought that, but then look at McVay. He was replacing his quarterback, wasn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's that's my point. He went yeah. to the Super Bowl with with, McVay, with with Goff, and he thinks Goff isn't good enough. So we'll see if it works out for Stafford right now. But these the quarterbacks are interchangeable to these guys. Fair enough. In their in their perspective, they view them as interchangeable parts. I will still say you've got to have quarterback. You got you got to have competent quarterback play if you want to be in the playoffs. I mean, look around the league. Did did any teams make the playoffs that had a bad quarterback? I don't think so. Well, that's so. the thing. They get too cocky, right? Right. It was almost like, you know, somebody said about Belichick before Belichick's a great coach, uh, but he's got too much of an ego as a GM because he thinks he can coach anybody up. And then you looked at then, you know, their roster, you know, was kind of thin. All right. More with Rick Saratella on the other side. Football is here. The late night anger management class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're talking football with Rick Sarantella, NFL Draft Bible in the house, SI.com. Uh, a lot of stuff, but to get to is the camp uh, battles have you done. Um, you and I talked a lot about Michael Parsons. I was a big fan of his. I, you know, I didn't buy into to all that other stuff or, or the off-the-field uh, stuff. And so far, so good. You, know, you talk about camp. Camp is one thing, but he looked good uh, in the preseason game. And... I tell you what, I like the intensity that I saw from the Cowboys in their scrimmages with the Rams. These guys were going hard, uh, going real, real hard. Didn't really like what I saw so much uh, from the preseason game, but you can't really take anything away from a Hall of Fame game. Najee Harris looked okay. Uh, The offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers is obviously still a concern moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think Najee Harris did what we expected to see. Micah Parsons, to your point, was shot out of a cannon, right? I mean, he just covered all kinds of ground, uh, playing a thousand miles per hour out there, and you love to see that. I think he's going to be a huge addition to that defense. Uh, actually, we got to give you some kudos, Gabe, because you've been uh, kind of preaching and teaching for weeks, or it seems like months, that the Dallas Cowboys backup quarterback situation is in disarray. And after that performance, uh, from Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert, and Ben DiNucci, I'm starting to believe that the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys is not currently on the roster. And I like, you know what? I don't mind Garrett Gilbert. But I would have to say Garrett Gilbert's a third stringer, Rick. 
Right. Garrett Gilbert's your third guy. Like, Garrett Gilbert's good. He can throw. Like, he's got a strong arm. I like him. I think he understands the offense. But then you have to ask yourself, all right, is Garrett Gilbert the guy, if Dak Prescott goes down, that we want to hang our helmet on here and have our season on his shoulders? And I don't think the answer to that is yes. So, as, as you know, there's going to be a lot of quarterback shuffling still to come, isn't there, Rick? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be traditionally most teams now are are still only carrying two quarterbacks. We saw it even with the quarantine uh, teams getting caught with only two quarterbacks on the roster. So I think there'll be a lot of movement. I agree with your sentiments where, you know, your hold the fort guy needs to have some kind of in-game experience. And right now, Ben DiNucci is probably the quarterback with the most in-game experience there and, or the most recent in-game experience. And I think anytime you've got to turn the keys over to an inexperienced quarterback. And if Dak Prescott is going to miss, miss stretches of, of time with an injury, you've got to be concerned if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Now, speaking of, uh, of quarterbacks, uh, it's a big year. It's a big year. I look at the, you know, you look at the NFC West guys and this is people look at this as one of the more competitive divisions and wide open divisions, but there's a lot of quarterback questions. We talked about San Francisco and Jimmy G and Trey Lance, who's the quarterback going to be as the season goes on. They're the favorites to win the division. Uh, you've got the Los Angeles Rams uh, with Matthew Stafford. And to me, the Rams, you know, the Rams are an interesting team. They're just so top heavy that, you know, there's no depth on this team. You know, so you've got Aaron Donald, you got Jalen Ramsey. Now you got Matt Stafford. And you've got a couple of very, you know, high-priced wide receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And after that, you know, the cupboard's kind of bare. I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm, you know, I'm not sure about the Rams. Now you got Seattle. Seattle don't have Brown uh, in camp right now. Russell Wilson's starting to panic. And then we get to Arizona right now. And it was interesting. I was reading uh, the Monday morning quarterback at SI uh, this morning, Rick, about Kyler Murray. And you and I have talked about year three in this program and this kid's not used to losing they're saying all the right things right now but they really are in tough in this division and i like arizona but man you got san francisco the rams the seahawks the cardinals who do you think wins the division the team with the healthy quarterback (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i'm gonna go with the rams as the leader you know um just because i do think they have the best defense and that counts for something and so when you talk about Jalen Ramsey, yeah. Aaron Donald, these are two guys that are at the top of their position. Now, Stafford, he played, I think, a full season last year. The year before, he played eight games. And he's had a whole lingering uh, effect of injuries and back issues, and ankles and pinkies and throwing hands. I mean, so can Stafford be the guy that gets it done? You're seeing him make throws in training camp that Jared Goff can't even dream about. So I do think it's an upgrade. Um, they'll patch the running back by committee. They'll get a ground game going there. But to me, I put the Rams as the favorites because of their defense, ironically enough. And then I have the Arizona Cardinals who I'm going to go in with. I believe they will win the division. I don't feel great about it though, because we saw when Kyler Murray had that little hammy issue, he was still playing but he was relegated to being a pocket passer. And when you take the mobility aspect out of Kyler Murray's game, same thing with Russell Wilson. We saw it there in the playoffs. I think that they become a different team, a different dynamic. And so I feel like Pete Carroll now has been there long enough where it might just be falling on deaf ears, right? They've had a lot of success, 
They'll always be competitive. But at what point does the voice fall on deaf ears? We saw it with Tom Coughlin. I think we're starting to see it with Mike Tomlin. And I think you are going to see it in Seattle. So for me, I have the Rams up there, one, the Cardinals up there, two. The 49ers are as talented as any team in the league. But remember, they were also struck by the injury bug significantly last year. So until I see some kind of consistency where, you know, you can't make the club in the tub, you know, I, I need the 49ers to prove it to me that they can stay healthy before I anoint them or crown them. Well, people are always quick to crown San Francisco. And I think it's the respect for Shanahan, right? Um, one thing about the Rams, and I will say, with Matt Stafford there, you mentioned he he has been injured in the past. And another thing is, too, we don't know. Matt Stafford has racked up stats and stuff in meaningless football games. He hasn't played in big games before, right? Is he going to step up and just suddenly live up and, like, play under pressure? That's, you know, to me, it's a question mark that people aren't bringing up enough, but Unlike the Cowboys, where we talk about quarterback depth, if Matthew Stafford goes down, the Rams do have confidence in John Wolford. And Sean McVay likes John Wolford enough that he started him in a damn playoff game. Right? He doesn't have an issue starting him in a playoff game. So at least you know, that's one thing with the Rams that you can hang your hat on as far as depth. If Stafford goes down, are they as good with Wolford? No. But the the it, the season doesn't implode, in my opinion, if Wolford's the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Wolford can hold the fort, where, as we just talked about the Dallas Cowboys situation, Garrett Gilbert cannot. And that's all you can ask for, for a backup quarterback. I think the other thing important to remember here, too, is, you know, we talk about the 49ers went to the Super Bowl two years ago. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I mean, Shanahan's got four years under his belt now. That was the only year. They made the playoffs. They're they're one for four. I mean, he's got a losing record. I think he's twenty nine and thirty two as a head coach. So I mean, we we give him a lot of kudos, a lot of praise. But one out of four, they got to yeah. do a whole heck of a lot better there. And two blown Super Bowl leads, right? One is the OC with Atlanta, which you can't fully. You know, he's not in complete control. You're not the coach, so I get it. But still, uh, and then the same thing again. I mean. I mean, this dude's had a double-digit lead with under 10 minutes left in two Super Bowls, bro. You know what I'm saying? A lot of offering, a lot of choking going on. Uh, so speaking, speaking of Kyler Murray, guys, so this is Kyler Murray's record. Kid was 42-0 in high school. All right, so he's 42-0 in high school. He went 2-1. and one. He only played three games at Texas A&M. He went 2-1 and one at Texas A&M. And then he went 12-2 and two with Oklahoma. So overall, in Kyler Murray's career, before he got to the NFL, he played in 59 football games, and he won 56 of them. He's won 56 of them. In the National Football League, he's 13, 18, and 1. Welcome to the big show, kid, right? That's it's one of, the, you know, one of those deals. He doesn't like it. <laughs> and it's funny because you always hear that about these kids. Oh, he's going to lose a lot more than he's, he's going to lose more in a month than he's lost in his life type of deal. But here we are into year three, and it bothers him. And I like that. I like that it bothers him. And he's talking about how I don't like losing, and I'm tired of losing. And I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to, it's all about the little things. They, you know, that's what he's talking about. And Kingsbury's talking about they're paying more attention to detail uh, right now. I, I'm very, I, I can't wait to see what this team uh, looks like on the field. But they're under a lot of pressure, man. There's The expectations are high from ownership right now. 
Yeah, and again, a guy in Cliff Kingsbury who never won at Texas Tech. He has yet to win at the yep. NFL level. He had a losing record at the collegiate level. And so there's a lot of question marks, but again, a lot of hype for an unproven head coach. Now, they did bring in, I like the veteran leadership. You bring in A.J. Green, even though there's not a lot of gas left in the tank, the veteran presence between him, DeAndre Hopkins, to complement the younger receivers, I still haven't heard what Larry Fitzgerald's plans are, but then they bring in JJ Watt. And so maybe some of that leadership responsibility isn't so much on Kyler Murray and he could be allowed to be more comfortable, relax and just play football. Rick Saratella, NFL draft Bible uh, with us. So uh, once again, the updated odds, the San Francisco 49ers are plus 190. The Los Angeles Rams are plus 200. The Seattle Seahawks are plus 280. And the Arizona Cardinals check in six to one to win the division plus 600. Now I'm bullish on the Cardinals, but at the same point in time, I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the Cardinals are going to be in the mix for a playoff uh, spot. I think they'll be competing uh, for a wild card, but I don't see them taking the step from where they are all the way uh, to winning the division title, not in this division. Um, with the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. All right, so I put a couple of plays in uh, last night, and we ain't playing around. Nickel plays, 500 apiece, boom, futures. It's our, that's our cryptocurrency, NFL futures. We'll share these uh, picks on the other side. Bring it. You're listening to Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. The Late Night Anger Mantle Craft continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Marinci. We're throwing it down with Rick Sarantella, NFL Draft Bible. Follow him on uh, Twitter. There's no more countdown. Football is here. And it's time to start building our portfolios. We're going to share all of our future picks with you. We're probably going to have about 15 or 20 of them when it's all said and done uh, with NFL football and college football combined. Um, we, you know, and one, we're, we're just, you know, every night we just sort of hit refresh. We keep on looking for value. And don't worry, guys, we're going to get into player props as well, um, season player props. But let's talk divisions right now. And a play that I put in last night, I already liked them anyways. I already thought Tennessee was going to win this division, even with Carson Wentz. I'm not a Carson Wentz believer. I don't think, speaking of Jimmy G, Jimmy G's an Iron Man next to Carson Wentz. All right? And unlike uh, Carson Wentz, Jimmy G's actually won football games uh, before. So I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy, but I do believe in Frank Reich. And, and you know, I think that he can win with pretty much anyone at the quarterback position. But this is where we were talking about a couple of minutes ago. That's what those guys think, too. Hey, I want a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I can win with anybody. I just don't think Indianapolis are as good as Tennessee, right? But Julio Jones, already a little bit beat up in camp right now. But I'm telling you, Rick, listen, the Tennessee Titans are minus 135 to win the division. The Colts are plus 175 right now. Tennessee, 
are healthier, and I think they're just a little bit more ahead of the curve than the Colts are, in my opinion. It sounds like easy money to me, Gabe. Uh, I, I agree with the Carson Wentz assessment. He's injured. He's out. Oh, by the way, don't be surprised if that Nick Foles resurfaces in Indianapolis. But regardless, even if Carson Wentz was healthy, I think this is Tennessee's division. And you take a look at the triplets that they have now with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, Derrick Henry at running back, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown as your wide receiver. Is that Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper out there? Is that is that Jerry Rice and John Taylor out there? I mean, that's a heck of a two-headed wide receiver tandem. So, I mean, what, what would prevent you from thinking that Tennessee with Mike Vrabel as head coach, a defensive mastermind in his own right, is going to uh, relinquish that division? Yeah, and we're not asking Tennessee to win the Super Bowl. I'm asking you to win the Super Bowl. I'm asking you to be better than the Indianapolis Colts. Win 10 games. That's yeah, because, yeah, you got to be better than the Colts because the Jags and the Texans are, are winning the division. So, like, you got to beat one team. Uh, minus one. Like, I played this, guys, because I think the odds are only going to go up. You know, and, and we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation. I don't know. Maybe Jacob Eason's good. And I don't have a problem. I think Eason does have a good arm and stuff. But he's never started before. And I'm not even saying the Colts are going to suck. I'm just saying I think Tennessee are better than they are. Tennessee are going to win this division. But as far as Jacksonville is concerned, I am buying in, Rick, that their games are going to be fun. They've got a lot of talent on offense, bro. Like, there's no reason to think, like, dude, they put up points with Gardner Minshew, right? Like, the, 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 they have talent. You look at the wide receivers, talent. Running backs, talent. Is the offensive line great? No, but it's not the worst league in, in line in the league by far. And now you get Trevor Lawrence, strong-arm quarterback in here. You know, I think the Jags are going to put some points on the board. I'll be betting the overs in their games. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the Jaguars here, but to your point too, the Titans I should I think should win a minimum of five games within the division. They should be five and one minimum. So yeah. that gives them a pretty good jump uh, on taking that home. Uh, as for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I had Brian Baldinger on my show last week, fresh out of Jaguars camp, and he said I really want to root for this team. He goes, they're probably a year away from actually being taken seriously, but he said the team has bought all in on Urban Meyer. He said it was like attending a training camp. 30 years ago, the competitiveness and urban is going a little bit unorthodox where he is tallying one-on-one -on -one reps and telling his team and letting them know, Hey, if you're a bottom of the roster guy, I'm going to go by your one-on-one -on -one reps. And you know, the more traditionalist purest football fan or employee or scout around the league is kind of looking at that sideways. But I got to say, I like I, it too. He tells like the players point blank. You're on the fence. And and so now we're creating a competitive environment. Um, yeah, they think it's sort of like high schoolish or something, right? Like Urban almost wants to put a football like the XFL did in the middle of the field and say, all right, two guys go, winner stays, loser gets cut, right? Like he almost has that. You're right. All right. I can see that coming down. He, did, he pretty much said it's going to come down to the last couple of guys, and we're going to put you one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> yeah, I love I mean, it. That's very UFC-ish, though, isn't it? It's yeah, just sort of – but don't – you know, Rick, don't players like that because as opposed to some of the other older coaches that will play games, oh, you're doing great, kid, you're doing great. Then you're cut two days later, and then all the politics. Urban's not playing politics. Urban is saying, who's the toughest son of a bitch is on the field? Yeah, and you're, you're hearing the collisions if you're an observer at Jaguars camp. Uh, you, you might even see an Oklahoma drill being ran. And so um, I think Jacksonville is changing the culture in year one. By year two, they should be competitive. And I like what Urban Meyer is doing. 
I take a look at what Joe Judge's antics are. That rubs me off the wrong way when you've got, you know, hey, I'm going to throw the whole team out. Like, hey, coach, why is your co- why is your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator running laps? Oh, well, I threw the whole team out. Well, you know, if you handpick these guys and you're paying them because they're at the top of their profession, they're supposed to be elite at what they're doing. Well, then, hey, Joe Judge, maybe it's time for you to run a couple laps because you can't get your house in order. How about that? Interesting. Rick Saratella's take on this. So you're not impressed uh, that, listen, I didn't have a problem with the camp fight or anything like that, but I get where you're going. Do you, is, is, Judge, is Judge acting like Belichick too much, even though he's not Belichick, right? Like some of these guys that have been around, like these dictator legend guys, they learn from them. But they don't have the same credibility as those guys, right? I, you know, Pierre Maguire's a hockey guy. He's on NBC. And he was a young coach. He was like a young guy, like 32 or whatever. And he was with Scotty Bowman, who's like one of the greatest coaches of all time in any sport. And Scotty Bowman is a lot like Belichick. He's kind of a jerk, right? Like he's no, no effing nonsense. Guy doesn't smile, bro. Like, you know what I mean? He's won 10 cops. I don't care. He doesn't smile. He's one of those type of guys. And... And then one of the assistants, his assistants got a head coaching job. And he said, I just patterned myself after what I saw. But the thing is, if you're a 10 time Stanley Cup champion coach, you can tell a player that he sucks, that he's a piece of crap. If you're a 33 year old guy with no experience, you can't do that, right? So you don't like what's going on? What, what are you hearing about as far as the Giants camp? Are the players starting to dislike Judge, though, or are they still on board? They had four veteran players retire last week alone. One of them being Devin Funches, who said, Joe Judge will never be successful in this league. All he does is walk around and cuss. He said he's not a leader of men. He's got a long ways to go until he can carry Bill Belichick's jockstrap. And I believe that is the veteran mentality of these guys that were signed. A couple of these guys were signed. Within a couple of days, they said, you know what, thanks. But no thanks, I'm good with this. And so then you've got the younger players, such as a Sterling Shepard, and a Daniel Jones, who's maybe too young to even know any better, playing. That's for, the thing. Yeah, the he's the, fighting for his life, his career, Daniel yeah. Jones, right? And and Sterling Shepard was asked about him, and he said, "Well, you know, if, if players are unhappy, they're they're more than welcome to leave, uh, towing the company line." But I don't know. I, I think winning. Judge Judge that. will tell you, Rick, that those guys were weak, and we don't want them here. What What do you say to that? That Judge is trying to weed? Because let's be honest, the Giants have been soft in past years. And I thought they were. I thought they were more aggressive last year under Judge. Well, you know, I think that the results will dictate how true his statements are. And so yeah, that, it's a bottom line business. But if you don't produce results, it's kind of hard to have that cachet. That's a good point. Super Bowl winning champion when it's like, hey, who's this rodeo clown? No, that's that's a good point. And so this is year two of the Judge stuff. Let's say let's say they're mediocre again. Are they going to fire him? I don't think so. I don't know. Like, yeah, is Gettleman? I think Gettleman might be a little bit safer than Giant fans want him to be, in a sense. But I would imagine next year would be the the cutoff point. The judge has three years. You can't yell at people. Look at Matt Patricia, right? Look at Matt Patricia in Detroit, as you stated. I guess there's a difference, Rick, right, between getting your team ready. Look at where Matt Patricia came from. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll give you a quick side note on Matt Patricia. His first day introduced as the Lions head coach, he had no idea who uh, Martha uh, Ford or the owner there at the Lions, and and he was just dropping f bomb after f bomb, and and the owner she doesn't said, like that. Uh, yeah, 
She did not care for Patricia. He made his bed on day one. And you're seeing the same. And they didn't know about the sexual assault allegation, the lies. Right? They were like, oh, God. And like, that- you know what? I mean, he's an idiot. Like, you talked about that stuff, though, Patricia. All right, guys, we're practicing outside in, in the snow. Why? We play in a dome and we're playing at home. Like, we're going to toughen you up. No, you're not going to toughen it up. It's just we're going to have a crappy practice. Right? Like, that, that mentality of him, we're going to be tough. And let's just be real. The guy was a fat slob. Right. And remember what the media, he goes, he, he questioned the guy in the media, how he dressed. He goes, you should dress more professionally as a media yeah, member. You're you, got, yeah. you're untouched, you got chicken wings in your beard. Come Patricia. Up, where's a pencil yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Are you on lunch break yet, Matty? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you got barbecue sauce on your hoodie there, coach. And yeah. you're telling the guy in the media is a slob. And that guy that he told that to was like been there forever, too. So everyone in the media was like, all right, you want to play like this, huh, coach? Like, he was hated. And listen, they all like Campbell. One thing about Detroit, we will say, Panay Sewell is living up to the hype. And I know it's just camp and all that, but everybody says the same thing, that, like, guy looks like a pro bowler already. Like, just – and that's the one thing, too. Lions offensive line's looking pretty good, actually. They got some pretty big boys on that line. It's going to be a rough year in Detroit. Uh, Can they win five games? That's the over-under. I don't think so. Four? I don't think so. Three? I don't think so. Wow. <laughs> Who do you think's worse, Detroit or Houston? Well, there's a chance now Deshaun Watson might suit up and play some games. It's not. Oh, I've been saying that all along. I've been saying that all along. And as long as he suits up, you got a shot to win. So I would give the Texans a better shot <laughs> than the Lions there. Uh, but talk about, though, again, when you're the head coach of a football team, all these rosters have talent. It's really more, I think, in 2021 – more of a matter of knowing how to manage personalities and win over the locker room than it is about the X's and O's and the G's or about the Jimmy's and Joe's than the X's and O's. Right. And I think that's where the leadership comes into play. And that's where coaching in 2021 is really more about attitude. Right. I think the bills have it perfect with Sean McDermott, who is tough, but fair, tough, but fair, extremely, um, intense, very serious guy. Yet, and then you get a guy like Dable just calling great plays. I think you need the combination. You need the guy that can run the room, and then you need a couple of smart guys that are, you know, your coordinators. I think it's the combination. I, I like it, and I think that you have somebody there who can relate to the younger generation. I think it's so critical and vital because I couldn't be a head coach in the National Football League if a player walked into my office and said, hey, coach, you know what? My mental health is just not here today. I mean, I'd look at him like he's sideways. Now, you got to have a younger coach that can relate to the younger mentality and, the, and, and to know that that's acceptable in today's society. When I played, if I wanted to get a drink of water, my coach called me a girl and kicked me out of practice. So I just came up, I came up in a different era. And hey, I look at Kingsbury. We got to get out of here, Rick. But look at Kingsbury. I thought it was crazy, too, when he came into the league and uh, we found out he was given cell phone breaks in practice. Every 30 minutes, 30 minutes of practice, and then guys can go to the sideline for three minutes, check their phone, and then come back uh, to the field. And I was like, wow, this is, this is the NFL. You can't do that. Then I heard Rob Gronkowski say, Belichick's been doing that for years, right? So even Belichick understands. You know I mean? These guys' minds are going to drift. We got to do what we got to do to keep them uh, attentive. Rick Caratello, we got to get out of here, man. My producer's going to kill me. We've drifted over time. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. George Kurtz, Mo Khan, full house here this evening. Great stuff. A uh, lot of NFL talk, and we'll continue the NFL talk. And it's time to uh, start to uh, dial it up a notch as far as college football uh, is concerned. Uh, you know, we're looking for value on the board, and as we talked about earlier, uh, exact regular season wins is a great uh, prop that FanDuel has up right now that you can really cash in on. You, you can really cash in on. You know, the New York Jets are a great example of this. The New York Jets, their win total is six right now. We got in when it was six and a half at six right now. I knew it was going to go down. They're not going to win six games, all right? They're certainly not winning seven games. Um, are they going to win four? If you look at their, their schedule, is really hard. And I think, you know, if we're, if we're realistic, I think the Jets are looking at a four or five win uh, season. 17 games now, so five and 12. I don't, I don't see six wins. Their schedule is too difficult for six. So, you know, we, we bet the under, but we can cash in here. Over, if you want to pick exact wins, so that, let's say the Jets to win four games, that's plus 500. The Jets to win five games, that's plus 500. All right? So, you know, you put a couple of hundred bucks. You put 200 bucks down on four wins. You put 200 bucks down on five wins. And then you crush the under six. You win the under six, and then you hope they get to four or five. And then you're winning another dime back. You know? So, I think, you know, we're going to go over every team and see. But as I stated, the odds makers, these guys aren't idiots. All right? So... Their regular season win total numbers are going to be pretty bang on. So you basically can look, all right, are they going to go a game over? Are they going to go a game under? All right, maybe they go two games under. Right? So very, very interesting over at FanDuel right now. Exact regular season win props. Other than that, we'll be back at 6 Eastern. You're on your own. Later. Later. 